power on. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Woo, it is time for that TIE Fighter Renegades. I know that whenever these drop, it is one of the favorite times of not just myself and my co-host, my man, Robin Freebeard, but of all of you out there listening. I know how hot this show is. I know how excited. I see some of the numbers that we can track, but I don't want to track you. But it's always good to know that you're digging what we're putting down because in this whole thing of, uh, of geekdom and nerddom and so much more, I do think that, uh, you know, I actually, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it. And I, and it's no reference to the recent Netflix movie either, but I feel like Rob and I are kind of the old guard, uh, online <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with appreciation for, uh, for our franchises and so on. But, uh, we have a lot of admittedly, there's a lot of star Wars news to get into. We know y'all love that. Uh, and we're going to see if we can talk a little Star Trek and well, maybe we'll get into a b- bit of a bonus topic that I actually teased on Sovereign Tech. We'll see if we get to it here. If not, it's something that certainly we can talk about in the next episode. But anyway, Rob, welcome to TIE Fighter Renegades once again. It is time to get into action, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we'll just open this thing right up. Um we are going to finally, actually, we are going to finally get into our Clone Wars review. We'll get to that in actually just a few minutes here, uh, because I know you've all been waiting for that. Um, but opening it up, you know, we ended the last show, or at least it was a major thrust of our last show. We were talking about EA's newly announced Star Wars Squadrons, uh, which is their latest, uh, uh, I'm sure they think it's a magnum opus, but, uh, you know, it might as well be a flaming bag of shit. But well, okay, it might be good, right? <laughs> we 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 should withhold some judgment. But you know, the one thing I, I mean, think that we go ahead. Ironically, the 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 gameplay trailer dropped. I think like within minutes of us recording. Yeah, which I did include it in the show notes because it dropped like literally minutes after we were done. Uh, it was it was it was really really yeah. And I mean, well, when actually, let me ask you about that first. When you did see the the, the gameplay trailer, what did you think, Rob? Um. I mean, mechanics-wise, it looks like it might be okay. It is mm-hmm. kind of weird that, well, we're seeing starfighters move with a way we haven't seen them move at all in Star Wars before, where they're doing, you know, kind of like they're drifting, you know, right. kind of like a car would. That's a little weird. So uh, I can't really, until I get into it and actually try it, I can't say whether that that is going to be a, you know, worthwhile you know sort of thing that adds to it or not um part of me wonders do you think that has to do with like the engine not being updated yet to how it flies in actual space and that that's like an engine designed for atmospheric battles because that's how when you fly in battlefield 3 it kind of feels like that i mean that game well, they showed old, they showed ahead. those maneuvers being pulled off in space right so i mean it, and 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 the one of the developers did an interview too, and and you know they they specifically pointed out that you know yes this is something we're you know intentionally adding oh. to I guess the the I don't know if you would the say mechanics. the lore but the, the mechanics oh, I of see Starfighters the lore. yeah okay yeah okay yeah that is very interesting okay well I, I all right <laughs> yeah I mean I saw it and I and I felt I was like okay this looks all right um, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean they, they, they're clear. They clearly uh, are showing 
you know, reverence of some degree to the X-Wing and TIE Fighter uh, uh, um, games and mm-hmm. so far as the interface goes. Yes. Or, you know, you, you control, you know, shields, engines, and, uh, and, and lasers. You can, you can redistribute the energy to where it's going to go. Right. So I did, I did like that they have that in there. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, I think the most important thing, frankly, regardless of how this trailer looked, the most important thing was that it existed because it basically just proved that, okay, no, this is something that they've been working on. It's not like just some placeholder announcement to, uh, you know, to, again, to placehold excitement, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, ex- it being a thing that exists in and of itself is probably the most important point of the trailer, regardless of what's, in, what's actually shown on it, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that? Um, I think they've learned their lessons with, you know, um, not necessarily announcing, but sort of like, you know, letting letting the cat out of the bag as to what games are development and then canceling mm-hmm. them. They've canceled yeah. so many Star Wars games yes. that I think they've learned now that, the, that they can only really let anything out and show anything until it's like almost ready to go and it's actually going to happen. Um, you know, let, which, which yeah. I also think lends credence to the theory that, you know, leaks are bullshit. Right. You know, like when they when they when they don't want something to be leaked, it does not get leaked. Yeah. So, but when it does, it's it's coming from the company. Yeah, it's by design. It's part of the yeah. plan, part of the marketing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I agree with that. Yep, I agree with that completely. Um, let me ask you this: and and on a couple sovereign techs ago, I got into this conversation around the price of ga- of video games. Mm-hmm. Would you be? And we've had the conversation. We might even have had it when we were talking about squadrons in the last episode of TFR. Um, would you be, if the game for it to have no in-app purchases, no loot crates, no, you know, none of that crap and maybe even free DLC, would you be willing to spend a hundred dollars for a game? Fuck no. (laughs) No way. No. Okay. All right. Just just put that out there. Yeah. But it is worth noting that, that this game is only $40. So it is, it is far less than the standard yeah. I mean, so, admittedly, like, like I, I, so the last time EA bit my ass, uh, I pre-ordered Battlefront 2. Right, same here. Know? Yeah, and In I fact, got you, the... you're the one that convinced me. Because right. I, I had been burned with Battlefield 1. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then you talked it up. I'm like, ah, all right. Well, that's because I bought into their imperial marketing, which ended up yeah. being... Right. You know, not worse than propaganda. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So, but I mean, even for that, you know, the deluxe edition of that cost 80 bucks. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not like games don't already cost around that range. I just know that eventually something has to give with like to have, you know, games of this kind of caliber, which it appears to be very high caliber, at least from the trailer. Um, and to not have, you know, loot crates and all the other horseshit. I don't think it has to be the answer, but unfortunately I feel like the answer is going to be that these games are going to be way more expensive, but well, go ahead. Wait, I, I think everything that's going on with this game is very deliberate. Mm-hmm. So EA, EA got really burned very badly in the press and in the public because of battlefront two and all of mm-hmm. the loot crate shit and, you know, crap going on with that. Right. And the gambling mechanics. Um, I, I think that while 
you know, there wasn't a whole lot of backlash coming from Lucasfilm. I do think that they they did come to him and say, hey, you need to make this right with the next game. I think this game is like EA's kind of like forced olive branch to the Star Wars, yeah. you know, community. That's I, I'm I'm I. Because you look at the way that the, all the gus- customizations in this mm-hmm. game and things that you can do with your starfighter and your pilot and all this, it looks like it was primed for DLC add-ons, loot crate, shit right. like that. It was, it was, it was already set up and ready to go for that. And I'm, I'm sure it was probably at some point going to be a sixty or a hundred dollar game, mm-hmm. but they decided they, they like the because. I think Lucasfilm stepped in, you know, basically stepped in and, and said, no, you can't do the same thing that you were you did with Battlefront 2 that you're going to do with this game. Yeah. So so this is going to be a loss leader like that. That's, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. OK. I mean, and if it is dynamite and, you know, what, people probably play it for fucking ever because it'll have to be actually be a good game, <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, it has to yeah. like deliver well, on the value. And, and it's going to be even harder and press us because I'm just like you. I'm one of these people that the game industry hates. Because yep. I don't like multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh. I'm interested in the single player. You know, so like, my plan still at this point is is to subscribe for that one month of the Origin access mm-hmm. and try it out for a month. And right. if if the you know it could be the it could be an awesome multiplayer game, but I'm not interested in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same and you know, I I almost want to, I don't want to have the conversation here it'd be fun to have at some point because there's a part of me I'm so big on stories in games you know again we're we're into the single player you and I mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. uh, primarily and I mean story is just everything to me it's why I love JRPGs and so much more yeah um but admittedly like now that you have people who make YouTube videos where they're they're basically movies you know, they're, they're then playing the game, but it'll include the cutscenes and everything yeah. else. And they mm-hmm. turn it into like a three or four hour movie, which right. is actually how I experienced Fallen Order. Um, I, I'm worried that's enough for me. Like, I'm like, okay, no, that's, that's yeah. great. Yeah. You know, and, and like, I don't even have to play the games anymore. <laughs> like, I could just watch them. And, and anyway, there's a conversation to have around that. But yeah, yeah I, there's, I, don't know I think, there's, it, I think there's multiple reasons why, why that is so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, First and foremost, like you said, you don't have to to, to pay for the game if, if yep. what's your yep. interest in the story. Second is, is I think uh, a, a lot of people that are really into those let's plays and stuff like that are perhaps the the younger siblings of people from our generation. And oh, you know, they're trying they, to get caught up. Well, no, but that but they they experience video games mostly through you know watching their their older brother, you know, play. That, that not, is not actually, you know, playing the game themselves. You might have solved a very big riddle for me. That is that is incredibly insightful, in my opinion, because we are you and I like, our, you know, our, our generation, as it were. And our generation is kind of hard to define. Right. Like we're, you know, Generation X or millennial or are we Zennials. Right. You know, it, it, it's it's because the world has changed so much in our lifetimes. Uh, at least in its infrastructure, not, not that humans have changed. But the, I, I mean, we're like the first generation gamers. Yeah. You know, like, like we didn't, we didn't look up to anyone playing those games. Like we were right. the ones trailblazing, playing these games and being so hot on about them. That, 
you really might have struck a chord because I mean, just, I'll just say quickly on a personal level, like I'm really into music, you know, as much as I'm into games, I'm certainly into music. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind, as much as I love heavy metal, that my love for heavy metal comes from the fact that I thought my older brother was so goddamn cool, you know, and that like he was the great hero that I just wanted to be him, you know, and I just wanted to kind of copy whatever he was into. It's like, oh, he listens to heavy metal. And, uh, and even as I got older, so he listens to heavy metal and he gets laid. Okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'll put it that way. Um, I think you've got something there and, and I will, we'll expand on that at some point, I'm sure. But, and, and I need to integrate it and think about it more as well, but that, that, that's, that's a very interesting thought. So, well, anyway, I mean, squadrons. So uh, would you say after the gameplay trailer and so on, would you say cautiously optimistic? Yeah, I'm cautiously. I mean, I've heard something about the, the single player campaign that I'm not exactly too hot on. And Which is? that, uh, the, the way it's going to work out is, is yes, there's going to be, uh, you know, an Imperial side and a rebel side, but instead of doing, you know, an, uh, a rebel campaign and then you finish and you, you do the Imperial campaign or, you know, vice versa, mm-hmm. it's going to jump from mission to mission. Oh, you have to play both. Re- yeah. Rebel, Imperial, rebel, Imperial, rebel, Imperial. <sighs> I'm not, See, I'm not a fan of that. No, I'm not either. And, and I don't think it even makes uh, sense game wise because then you really don't get like StarCraft did it where, okay, first you play the humans, then you play uh, the Zerg, and then you play the Protoss, right? But you do them completely, and then you go to the, ne- then you play the next race. Yeah. And that made sense because the depth of gameplay required you to play as one race for a long time, you know, and, and to, to really master uh, what they do. So, yeah, that that kind of that 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 scenario doesn't I, make sense to me. I have a feeling that the reason they're doing this is is for for some sort of reason of continuity, and that um, as you move on to the next mission, there's going to be context in the imperial side of things mm-hmm. that'll come up in the next rebel mission that you wouldn't have unless yeah. you played that mission as the imperial side. Yeah, yeah. So that, you're I mean, you're going to be informed on things that the characters in the Rebel campaign aren't aware of, but that are happening in the story, and they want you to get that all at once. Whereas I, you and I probably both prefer is to like to go through it, play one campaign where you're the Rebel side, or play the Imperial campaign, and then you play the other side to get the alternate point of view, and then you go, oh, that was what this was all about, and this is why that happened, and so on right. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. That is how I'd rather do it. I get the, there, there is, I mean, like novels, like the Alexander Freed novels of Alphabet Squadron, they're written like this, right. where one chapter is Rebel, next chapter is, uh, you know, Shadow Wing, well, you know, and, and so on, right? right. Like it's Rebel, Empire, Rebel, Empire, Rebel, Empire. And I get that there is somewhat of a narrative sense, and there is a buildup of when the conflict is, major conflict is finally going to occur. Um. So I can kind of appreciate that. I just think with video games, when you're trying to master controls and gameplay, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah, no. Yeah. Especially given that there, we know that there's going to be vast differences between the two sides and the way the ships handle. Right, right. Yeah. At least I hope so. Sure. I mean, if they don't, if they, if they totally water both sides down to make them, you know, very similar to one another, then yeah, I'm going to dunk on this game so fucking hard. 
Oh, it's going to suck. That, that would suck. I mean, that like part of why I think TIE Fighter, the original TIE Fighter game is better than X-Wing is because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but but the one of the primary reasons is that how like how fleet action and starfighter action occurs for the empire, because it is so vastly different from what you yeah. do in X-Wing. Yeah. You could be far more, no pun intended, rogue in, in X-Wing and more singular as to where you have to think about things very differently in TIE Fighter. And that's yes. what I like about it is the dramatic difference in style, uh, you know, of, uh, and I think the best term for it is fleet action. Uh, so yeah, uh, well, that's kind of, I'll go with cautious, cautiously optimistic as well, but that's a little disappointing. I wasn't aware of that, what you just uh, talked about. Um, damn. Well, that said, um, something I don't think we have to be cautiously optimistic about, we can just be full on optimistic about, is, uh, you know, the tried and true. That being something that I know both you and I have had, and you certainly had a much closer one, uh, a very, very keen eye on with uh, the last great flight simulator uh, for Star Wars, that being X-Wing Alliance, there's been a pretty hardcore mod community um, around it. And there's been one particularly very hardcore mod that you shared with me, uh, the, the uh, a demo of in a TIE fighter. And it was fucking gorgeous. Link is in the show notes for people to check this out. But I mean, even when you see the glow effects on the uh, blaster bolts, or from the engines or around like a docking ring bay with the, the shield stunning. I mean, just yeah. has such a great fucking look. I mean, give me, give me the breakdown on this. Well, they, and they've, they've got um, dynamic cockpits now. So, you know, the, the, you can actually see the, the, the motion of the ship as you're maneuvering stuff and the lighting on the interior of the ship, you know, changes as you're moving around. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 you know, fully 3D and everything, and uh, they like the they they that they they've finally done with the Tie Fighter cockpit. What I've been wishing for they they did for years is, is that the original Tie Fighter you know uh, game was it's designed for a four by three aspect ratio, right? And so it doesn't really you know work as well if you're trying to do it in in widescreen because you know in Tie Fighter you have just that you know little round window yes and you know two-thirds looks of the elliptical space is, afterwards yeah <laughs> yeah two-thirds of the space is filled up by just you know metal walls you know of the the interior right. of the cockpit and so they finally zoomed it in the window so that you know it it, it the window fills more of the screen so that's right. a huge improvement so so now is this going to i didn't i didn't even think about that is this going to work like on 21 by 9 is that something that they're yes. as far as Oh, that's yes. so fucking good. Not, not, not only is it working in 20 by, they're going to have it working in VR. Oh. <laughs> what do we need squadrons for, right? Exactly, I mean, right? Yeah. That's, that's what you I said to me. To you. Yeah. yeah. You're like, who needs, we don't need no stinking squadrons. And I was yeah. like, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love this. That, that, that's. That's precious. That that's the best term I could think of. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> precious that this sort of thing uh, uh, exists. Um, I mean, I've seen great experiences. Like there is, I think they took Free Space Two. This is one of the most heavily yeah. modded PC games of all time, and they modded it to where it was a wing. They turned it into a Wing Commander sequel uh, called The Darkest Dawn, and that was a tremendous experience at the time. And this is, I mean, well over ten, maybe even over fifteen years ago, uh, but 
yeah, I mean, when you get when the passion comes in from the fandom, you know, and they have a game that they can actually do this sort of thing to the results are almost always brilliant and far better than anything any game dev house could come up with. Yeah, uh, that that that's awesome. So this I mean, any, mod, go ahead. this is a mod that's been been going on for for 20 years now. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah, they've, they've, they've got some really experienced people working on it. You know, the sad part is, is that I imagine EA looks at this and, you know, instead of thinking, here's what EA should think. How do we make a game that garners that kind of passion and community? But that's not what they think, because they need you to buy the new one in two years, you know, right. or in a year. Uh, and what a shame that, that that's not the way of thinking, you know, with yeah, it's all short term thinking like everything else these days. <laughs> yes. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. That that's well, I don't want to say it's the problem with everything because the world is far more complex than that, but that is a major contributor <laughs> to a lot of problems, is that everything is short term. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved it when you shared this. It was such a such a joy to behold. Uh, and again, everybody do check it out. It is in, it is in the show notes. Uh keep track of it. Is is there the official what's the official name for this? Yeah, for it's uh uh XWA upgrade. XWA upgrade. Right. So it's so, X-Wing yeah. Alliance upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, keep, keep an eye on this folks, because I mean, this is going to be after squadrons comes and goes, uh, this will still be here, you know, and, yeah. and, and you're going to, and I, I just, in fact, I, I love that they're making this work on 21 by nine. That, that alone is amazing. Um, killer. All right. Well, uh, anything else on this run? No. All right. Well, let's talk about something else that's a little more of the tried and true uh, that made a comeback in the year of 2020. And that, of course, is something we've teased for months now because it actually finished its uh, first run on Disney Plus uh, a good two, three months ago, perhaps. And that is none other than season seven of Clone Wars. And I think it is absolutely fair to say that this is the last, this is absolutely the last season of Clone Wars. I mean, the way that they ended it, um, and spoiler alerts, ahoy, folks, uh, they're, they're going to be rampant here. You've had plenty of time to watch it. It's only 12 episodes. Um, but I mean, the way that it ends, it leads right into Rebels. I mean, it, it rams right into the wall of Star Wars Rebels, uh, you know, w- without question. Um, overall, Rob, I, I guess we could open, open this up asking the question. All right. Well, actually, no, let me start with this. And we talked about this a little bit off air, but this is really while it is 12 episodes let's be fair here this is really more like only four episodes like episodes, (laughs) there is a four-parter that happens and it is worth and there's a lot to discuss around it episodes 9 through 12 are really what this is all about this is really what we wanted that said i don't okay so so we'll, we'll say that but yeah let me ask you then now and then i'll get into we'll get into some points here did you like season seven of Clone Wars? Uh, I liked the last three episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 I hear that. Same. Same. I mean, I mean yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it was, it was, it was the last four. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. The last, the last four episodes. Yeah. Um, it was nine, 10, 11 and 12. Yeah. The, 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 the first couple of storylines, you know, with, with, with the, the bad batch, it was okay. Uh, the second, the second, you know, uh, batch of episodes with the, um, 
Ahsoka meeting those two sisters. I, I could have done without that. That wasn't really all that interesting. I didn't think it was. It it does it does link up with the. Um, I I think doesn't it link up with the Ahsoka novel? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it touches on it in some way. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember yeah. I remember that it being talked about before, in in some context. So I mean, you know, if you're if you're a completist, it's definitely worth watching the mm-hmm. entire series. But if you're just out for the the conclusion of you know uh, uh, that time period, the last four episodes is all you really need to see. Yeah, and I mean, and I think you would agree with me. The last four episodes aren't just the only thing worth like really worthwhile here, but they're they're brilliant. Like, I mean, oh, they're, they're, they're phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, just in so many ways. Right. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Star Wars, as Clone Wars had become the standard for being, uh, you know, years ago. Um, yeah, I, I want to bring up a couple points on this, and and there's there's so much to analyze here. There really is. Okay. Um, we're going to talk more about Bad Batch after our review of Clone Wars season seven for reasons that that I'm, you know, people might already know about, but we'll we'll get into it here. Um, the thing is, is that I felt like this was being touted as okay. Here's we're going back to the good times with Anakin and Obi Wan and Ahsoka and so on. I did not feel like it was that at all. Like this did not match the marketing that Disney was putting on it um, in any way on the reverse side. You would agree with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we know for a fact that the season was very truncated Mm -hmm. compared to the original plans for, you know, the, the, the next season of clone wars. Yeah. Because we still didn't get the, the Kyber crystal episode, right? Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, on Utapau or whatever. Yeah, exactly, on Utapau. Yeah, Crystal yes. Crisis on Utapau. That's it, yep. Which you can and see the also, animatics of, but go ahead. Right, yeah. and there was also, they were also going to do the um, the Asaz Ventress story that we got in Dark Disciple. Mm-hmm. And they were also going to do the Darth Maul storyline that we got in... Um, Son of Dathomir. Son of Dathomir. Yeah, actually, you see some of the really cool, like, uh, the Mandalorians that work for Maul. You get to see those designs in the flesh, as it were, or in action, as it were, that you normally really only saw in that uh, in that comic series of Son of Dathomir. So, yeah, you're right. It, it is truncated. I mean, it, it again, the marketing felt like it was going that direction. Um, and it certainly referenced all the material that you mentioned, I think. But... I, I don't know that 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 was that was somewhat disappointing to me. Yeah, yeah. But then what you do get in the last four episodes is so damned good. But there's a problem even there, and that is the reverse end of the spectrum. There's what you thought it was going to be leading in, and then there's what it leaves you with after the fact. Because really, as much as this, this smacks right up to Star Wars Rebels in a very beautiful way, the really the direct story after this is the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston. Right. And that novel does not, like the tone of the last four episodes of the season and the tone of that novel are night and day. And yeah. and Clone Wars is the night and, 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 and well, Ahsoka novel is the day. A lot of, and not, not only is this season truncated, but they changed a lot of things about this season too. So sure. uh, I think what E.K. Johnston wrote which she knew of the events prior to her book were based on 
the original plans for the Siege of Mandalore. <laughs> and the way it was going to go down originally is, is that, you know, Order 66 happened while they were still on Mandalore. Right. And that Ahsoka and Rex were going to fake their deaths. Right, right. And they changed it in this. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and there was other things that they changed. Uh, you know, I mentioned to you before we started recording, like the, the episode with the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally it was going to be a sister and a brother and Ahsoka was going to have a boyfriend of sorts. See now. Okay. So if she did have a boyfriend that would play more with the tone of the novel Ahsoka. Right. Uh, Because that was the novel Ahsoka, in my opinion was clearly, I mean, was squarely aimed at, you know, uh, well, frankly, teenage gals or, yeah. or, you know, teenagers, whatever. I mean, I know well, it's it, all novel, but exactly. But, yeah. But the, the last four episodes of Clone Wars season seven, season seven were dark as fuck. Oh, I mean, it, yeah. it was exactly what you wanted. It's what you expected out of Ahsoka. It's the Ahsoka you anticipate being a precursor to what you get in rebels. Um, it just made a lot more sense. And so for now, if you went, if you were exploring this chronologically, to go from that to the Ahsoka novel, I feel like would be almost whiplash uh, because, you know, she's acting like a little kid when no, she just like, you know, buried however many clone troopers right, uh, right. And, and so on. There's more to say about the boyfriend thing too, but go ahead with your, with your thoughts. Well, I mean, it would, uh, not only was it dark, but it was, it was, it was really deep, even for clone wars. I mean, you know, Rex having to, to deal with and, you know, process the fact that, you know, all of his brothers have been high, had their minds hijacked and they're now trying to, to kill him. Yeah. And he's going to have to, you know, he's, he's, he's basically saying, you know, we're, they're not going to stop. We're going to have to kill them or it's going to be us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I mean, that's, that's, you know, I'm sure he has some serious PTSD after that. Yeah, absolutely. No, of course he would. Um, yeah. I thought, Maul, I mean, what did you think of Maul's like performance? And I I feel like they were trying to inject some of what they might have had in mind for the underworld movies Mm -hmm. that would have played off of Solo. Uh, I feel like that was trying to get injected into those four episodes or in Maul's appearance in this, Um, which I'm not complaining about, you know, I mean, because that all of that was really in Son of Dathomir already anyway. So it, it really just made sense. Right. Um, I thought he was, you know, I mean, when you realize and, and they don't beat you over the head with it, you, you know, they slowly build to the fact that, oh, this is happening concurrently with, with episode three. Right. Once, once you realize that, I mean, that alone, just knowing that it, knowing its context just darkens and drops the mood. Yes. Yes. And we'll just get this out of the way. You know, Maul was right. Yeah, right. <laughs> about everything. Yeah, well, break it down. I mean, you know, he he wasn't in on Sidious's plan, but right. once it started going down, he figured it out really quick and he knew exactly, you know, who was the pawn in that yeah. situation, you know? And yeah. even though Ahsoka had seen you know, his dark side, in fact, she had been, been told she had been given a vision while on Mortis by her older self, warning her about her master. Mm-hmm. 
and she didn't remember that or she didn't she you know she, she maybe she just didn't want to believe it yeah yeah uh yeah I, I like maul this made maul an even better character and he was already yes. a great character yeah um like he has he has lines and statements and dare i say philosophies that he lays out inside of four episodes where i'm like yes yes like you know like yeah exactly no i mean Sure, he's evil, but like he gets it. He understands the nature of power. He understands the nature of you know so much. Um, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was dynamite when he said to uh, you know to Ahsoka, uh, "Oh, how'd it go?" He said, "Justice is 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 just a construct of uh, you know the the current power base." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh that's, my holy shit!" Yeah, how do you get away with saying that? <laughs> that's that's the interesting thing about Maul is is that you know he's already tried to go after grasping power for power's sake. Yes, and from here on out, he learns that that is a losing game, and so he learns how to be a survivor. Yes, and that's what's on display here. Yes, he expressly states it. He in these episodes. He says, we're not going to be able to stop what's coming. All we're going to be, you know, we, we can't stop the chaos. We're just going to have to figure out how to survive within it. And I mean, it was just, oh man, there's so much to take away. And, and Sam Witwer, I mean, on his game, he sounded yeah. fantastic. Uh, you know, as he always does as Maul. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, and, yeah. and it makes me, I mean, if this is the way that Maul was thinking, I am, I find myself actually saddened that we're not getting more of those stories that were being set up by his reveal in the Han Solo movie. Um, because boy, we could have had a good time. Uh, so. Well, I mean, there's, 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 they may be hope in the Obi-Wan series. That's true. That's, that's a good point. Because they did just cast um, Hayden Christensen to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker. So obviously yeah. they're going to be going back in time. Yeah, which that was a, in my opinion, a great move. Yeah, uh, well, that's news in itself and worth it. Go ahead. Yeah, how how is it they figured out this now, and yet they, you know, they couldn't do that for the uh, the sequel trilogy. You know, obviously the problem wasn't Hayden Christensen; he's right. more than happy to reprise the role. Right. You know, let, all right. Let's talk about this for a minute because this is a major aspect, a major. There are things, there are things outside of even the storyline of the Clone Wars that we got with season seven that I think point at very interesting things about Star Wars and in it and it's and where its direction in industry. Um, when you get to, and I think it's only when you get to episode nine, they went back to the original Lucasfilm logo from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? No, I and, didn't. Okay. Yeah. So like where it's just the green letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually really. Oh, I do. People, yeah. yeah. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Where it just says like a, a Lucasfilm production. Right. Where before it was like the silvery thing that we've had that we've been dealing with since. Yeah. Since it was, it was, it was a typical JJ nostalgia play. Well, I wonder about this. So, because to, to me, it kind of feels like as soon as this part comes in, then suddenly that stamp shows up and a part of me feels like, I wonder if this is going to be the, if that original logo is going to be the stamp of Dave Filoni. And cause I can imagine a scenario where Filoni said, George, I want to inspire confidence in the fans. Can I use this? You know, is that okay? If, if mm, I use your old okay. logo, 
Can I have your blessing? Yeah. And because I feel like, so, so here, here's, here's what I'm feeling is, and I've talked about this. I think I might've talked about it on Sovereign Tech. We may have talked about it on TFR in the past, but I, I do kind of buy into this notion that there is a civil war going on inside of Lucasfilm itself, mm-hmm. not necessarily just within Disney, but even within Lucasfilm where you have the Kathleen Kennedy camp and you have the Filoni camp or the Filoni, uh, uh, whatever the Iron Man guy, uh, <laughs> keep forgetting John his Favreau. name. Favreau. Yeah. And you have the Favreau Filoni camp, which is basically the George Lucas camp, right? right. Uh, the, the old school camp. Cause I, f- I feel like that there's like the first half of this, of, of clone war season seven, that feels very much like a Kathleen Kennedy production, even to the point where, Ahsoka would end up having a boyfriend and there'd be some cutesy love play. Just like I feel like the Ahsoka novel feels like a Kathleen Kennedy plan because Kathleen Kennedy's plan is to reach this new demographic, right? Right. Um, that might be out there. And we've talked about that. And so I, I guess a part of me wonders if Filoni is again, trying to put his stamp on it and that those last four episodes was Filoni getting carte blanche you know, to, yeah, go ahead, make these however you want them. Because again, these were so adult, not that clone wars didn't already go there years ago with season five and, you know, four five and six, but yeah, that's just, that's a sense that I got. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, any, any read? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's an actual civil war. Mm -hmm. I think that might be the perspective of some people, obviously outside of Lucasfilm, but maybe within as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Dave Filoni and John Fover are actually in any sort of like, like intentional conflict. Okay. That's, that's my belief. I mean, f- first of all, like, um, we're going to talk about, th- th- this is, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, yeah. but, um, one of the, the, the executive producers on, uh, Bad Batch is going to be Carrie Beck, who is one of Kathleen Kennedy's hires. Uh-huh. And she worked on 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 um, Star Wars Resistance as well. Right. And I think she also worked on Rebels. But yeah, she was she was a Kathleen Kennedy hire. So okay. you know, there's there's some crossover going on here within the Eternals of of Lucasfilm. I don't, you know, I I, I, I like to say I don't know how much of a civil war it actually is. I think that's that's kind of an outside perspective for the most part. Okay. Yeah. I mean that that's that's fair. Um... I don't know. It just, it, it struck me when I saw that logo, when I saw that classic logo come up and I mean, it got, you know, understand I haven't seen that logo since I was probably like 10 because, you know, George Lucas switched up everything, you know, after the special edition. Uh, So I, I mean, yeah, it's a nostalgia play. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all, but I I wonder if there's a little, there's a little something extra um, being said there, because again, the feel of those last four episodes was so wildly different from the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes me wonder, like, I, 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 I don't know, like, like it, fe- it feels like something happened there behind the scenes, but yeah, I, do, I, can I, only guess I will say that I do get the feeling that, uh, in season seven here, um, we, we know Dave Filoni has his fingers on a lot of pies right now. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, he's probably stretched pretty thin within the company. So yeah, absolutely. he was probably not taking sort of the hands-on direction with those first two storylines that he did previously took in, you know, the, the previous six seasons of Clone Wars. Right. But I think that when it came time for those last four episodes, I think he, you know, he took that on whole hog and, you know, he did his thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, 
Yeah, I just, you know, when Bo-Katan showed up, like everything just went up to 12. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like every, everything just turned right up. And I was like, ah, here, all right, here we go. <laughs> we're going yeah. to be fine. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Well, let's, let's shift it up. I mean, let's talk about, you know, things we didn't like, uh, things we did. Uh, what would you say, I, I guess let's start with the, maybe let's start with the positives. Um, I mean, like, what was your favorite moment, would you say, of, of season seven of The Clone Wars? Um, I kind of, you know, already hinted this before, but, you know, that conversation between Rex and Ahsoka, mm-hmm. when they're getting ready to, to face off with, you know, literally the entire army of uh, clone troopers down in the, the hangar bay. Uh, that, that was one of my favorite moments. And obviously the last moment there with Darth Vader. Oh, with Vader. That was, yeah. That, yeah. That, that was going to be my just, bonus pick as well. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd say those are, those are my top two moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, that's in my, the, the Vader moment is in my top two. That was very well done. Absolutely brilliant. Nicely, uh, ambiguous, right? We don't know if Vader realizes that she is dead or if, uh-huh. or what he thinks, you know? Um, and, but the, so the other, my favorite moment was probably the conversation between Ahsoka and Maul in the throne room when they're about to, you know, go to town oh, uh, yeah. on each other. And yeah, you know, when he gives like a lot of those quotes, I mean, it was, and he's realizing he's like, Oh, this is what Sidious did. Aha. You know, like, and he, right. it, it's, it's just, it's perfect, you know, and it, and it gives so much justification to what George Lucas was doing with the prequels, um, which I, I, I love that as well. Like that's a nice bonus. It's a great, it's a great scene anyway. And it's a great lightsaber battle. Of course, one of the best, I think in star Wars history. Yeah, uh, actually that, that um, they did something new with that lightsaber scene. That that was actually a, a mo-capped lightsaber scene. And I don't know if no, most people know this, but they actually brought in Ray Park. Oh to, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, they they brought in Ray Park to to do the motion capture for Maul. So yeah, that I mean uh, that that fight scene is is phenomenal. It puts to basically every other lightsaber scene in Clone Wars to shame. I agree, which is a, a tough. That, I mean, that's a tall order because yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause that had, that has had some of the best lightsaber action we've ever had. Uh, I was, I was amazed at just how good that was. But you can tell the difference between something that's, that's hand ma- animated because a lot of, a lot of the, the, the motions that they make in, in the lightsaber battles in Clone Wars, they are kind of, uh, somewhat jerky and stilted mm-hmm. at times, you know, where they, they're making these movements and they kind of come to a sudden stop Right, like there's these weird fast swipes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly yeah, what you yeah. mean. Yeah, so that, I mean, that that's just a consequence, like I said, of, of hand animating something and being under sort of like a deadline mm-hmm. to, you know, get the episode out the door, because that is a very labor-intensive process to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with the, you could just, I mean, the, that lightsaber battle that he mo-capped, it's just, it's so fluid. Yeah. And that's what it was like. It was like watching water. Yes, yeah, I mean you are, and and it's amazing how you really are with Ahsoka and Maul specifically. You are seeing two sides of the same coin, you know, yeah. like fighting itself almost. Because and and I love that comparison where you know Maul's like, oh, you you're you're just as much the victim as me, or you're just as much the, you know, we're the same, even though we're on different sides. Uh, I thought that was that was that was just so cool. Uh, such a great exposition of. Well, again, the entire prequel saga, you know, I don't, not just the trilogy, but the Clone Wars as well. Um, and probably part of the reason why both characters are so popular 
And they really are. I, I mean, when you talk to a lot of younger fans, obviously they love Ahsoka, but they really do like Maul. Like they got it. They understood yeah. Maul. It's to where yeah. I think a lot of older fans walked away like, oh, this guy gets off in one movie and he's a badass and he's on all the merchandise. What the fuck? Like we got screwed. Um, as to where the younger fans, oh, no, 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 he's a big deal. Like, you know, and they, 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 they get it. And so I think, you know, those, those characters being concurrent was just a, a brilliant move on Filoni's part. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I, I've, and I've tried to tell uh, a bunch of older fans, you know, my age, that they really need to, to go back and watch Clone Wars to, to appreciate the character fully. And I still yeah. say that. I mean, for whatever reason, people still have this perception that it's just a kid's show. Yeah, not even close. And sure as no. hell, not the last four episodes of season no, seven. <laughs> no, that that's that was some of the most adult content that that Star Wars has ever done. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Um, probably the largest uh, death count, minus uh, the destruction of Alderaan, I think, in Star Wars history as well. Um, or well, I guess minus uh, Order sixty six. Uh, Order sixty six, and I was thinking of Star Star Killer Base as well as much as oh, I tried not to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I completely blocked that. I didn't even, that didn't even come to my mind. Hosnian Prime? You no, know, Coruscant. What, what do you mean? What's Hosnian? I don't know about this Hosnian Prime. <laughs> anyway, uh, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All anyway, right, well, how, um, go ahead. Speaking speaking of positives, um, and I know this is something normally you paid attention to, and this is something I definitely noticed. Is what did you think of the music? So the, okay, I'm glad you mentioned this because the music was strange, not in a bad way. Right? Was that Kiner? Was was Kevin Kiner? Yes. I had else? to look. Okay. I, I couldn't believe it at first because I'll tell you who I thought they hired. I thought they hired Vangelis to yeah, come right, in and do right. the score. It was so Blade Runner. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what I thought. Yeah. And it was weird it, at first, but I mean, it just it it works. Oh, it fits so well. Yeah. Even, even when she's when when Ahsoka's like when she's in hyperspace, and yeah, you know, I, was, I was I was thinking the same thing, and that and that the the scene and the music, it's just it's building in tension, and you can feel it coming, mm -hmm. and the music just you know brings it full throttle. It it is really the perfect music to use because we are ultimately dealing with now. I mean, interestingly, the first say eight episodes, I think, or th there is the music actually tell like follows the tone of the season, maybe even mm -hmm. sets it because initially you're getting, you know, tons of John Williams music throughout the, the bad batch series. Okay. I mean, you're getting the star Wars theme playing. I mean, it feels like a new hope again, you know, as, as far as musically goes. All right. right. Then we, you know, she ends up dealing on Coruscant with the two sisters and everything. And that's when some of the Blade Runner score starts to show up. Now, it's perfect music for Coruscant because, I mean, you know, watch Blade Runner and think of Coruscant. And it's like, well, you know, CD cities, of course. Um, and for it to get darker and darker and then get into very almost metaphysical subjects, which I feel like the last four episodes do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and dealing with... Uh, you know, a lot of symbolism and other things. Blade Runner is like the only match I can think of visually to what was being put on display in the latter half of season seven of Clone Wars. So using, you know, basically taking cues almost literally from Vangelis. Well, fuck yes. You know, why not? And kudos to Kevin Kiner for being able to mimic the masters like John Williams, Vangelis and so on. Um, but, uh, but I mean, yeah, give me, give me your thoughts too, man. I mean, like I said, I was just, I was totally blown away. 
mm-hmm. when I when I heard it, and and I'd actually have to go. I didn't realize that they were adding those cues in earlier on on Coruscant, but it definitely like it. It's striking when it appears in the last four episodes. You know that the the very first, like I said, that scene where they they go into hyperspace and they're leaving Mandalore. Mm-hmm. It it really does. It just hits you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's perfect music, uh, yeah, for it. it's and, a perfect but it, tone. But it's also just, it's, it's, it's so brave because it's unlike anything Star Wars has done before musically. And, and this Kev- really kind of expands the horizons of, you know, what Star Wars can be. Yes. And it is, it, I, I feel like it always really works because the last time I can think of this happening is when Kevin Kiner again, was scoring was it season three of rebels when they went to Lasat or, or when they were dealing with the Lasat people and they mm-hmm. went to like that, they went through that, I don't know, wormhole or whatever the fuck right. it was yeah um, to find their new homeland. And in that they played very weird music and even star Wars.com made a big deal about the music that they were playing at that time. Um, I agree. It's bold and, and it's the right move uh, to, yeah. to go ahead and experiment with, with these different kinds of tunes and tones um, because as great a legacy and almost unmatched of a legacy as John Williams will leave this world with, uh, you know, to, to grow beyond that and to have something fresh and to not have to hear for the next hundred years, you know, uh, the star Wars theme over right. and over again, yeah, please I, do. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking as well is, you know, no, we, we love John Williams, but mm-hmm. you know, to, to be locked into that sound creatively I think holds you back yes. and stunts you in a way. And so that to see that they can move beyond that and introduce a new sound and that it works so well, mm-hmm. I, I think is just wonderful. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, so I love what, what Giacchino did with rogue one. I thought like even the opera scene with, you mm-hmm. know, Vader, Vader in the, uh, in fact, we got a little bit of that. That was another really great positive is there was a moment where that was, that echoed rogue one quite a bit. Uh, of course the best scene in rogue one, I think is, is when Vader is going down the hallway, you know, and, and slicing rebels to bits. Um, Maul kind of does that too, where he's just walking, you know, down, down this, this corridor and he's just offing, clone troopers yeah you know the, the whole time and it's almost shot for shot in a way uh we did also get the 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 shrewd in way uh uh quote um uh, of you know the forces how does it go again yeah i am the force i'm the one with the force the forces with me like yeah. ahsoka ends up saying that right, uh, right which fine whatever i mean again paying platitudes to rogue one not a bad move because most people feel that's the best thing disney's done Minus maybe the Mandalorian now uh, to date with Star Wars. Right. So, yeah, um, I love well, like, Giacchino. Like, Go ahead. Like you said, I mean, like the, this, these episodes kind of run smack right into Rebels. So, I mean, yes. it is nice to see that like the like these episodes really are kind of like the the bridge yes. to that area of Star Wars. Yeah, directly. You know, like, you know, like we've defined that like there there's there is a set tone that's now been defined by Rogue One and Rebels for what that period between Revenge of the Sith and uh, A New Hope is like. And it's mm-hmm. different. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar to, to the New Hope era, but it, it does have a character of its own. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I mean, even in fact, you know, you the some more brilliant unconscious touches. I mean, they were conscious on Filoni's part, I'm sure, but on un- unconscious touches in the very, in the first half of the, of the season of season seven, you get the fully armored Y wings, right. Uh-huh. Doing, doing their bombing runs where they have their, their plating on and everything. And of course we know what Y wings look like later on when they don't have their plating. Right. Um, you know, they look like they're just slapped together or something. It's a great look. It's interesting that Rex basically at the end of season seven takes off in one without its plating. Like it really is pointing out to you. Okay. Now we're here. You know, this isn't the days when starships were beautiful and blah, 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 or starfighters were beautiful. Now we're, we're into the, uh, uh, you know, the utilitarian days of the rebellion. Uh-huh. Um, so even like little cues like that were all put there. I, I agree with you. I think that this concept of the bridge was, was so well done with this. Um, yeah. I mean, just to finish up on the music, uh, I like what Giacchino did, but I got to say, I think Kevin Kiner should basically let him score everything Star Wars for a good while. Um, because he's great at it. I mean, he's really, really great at it. And yeah. you certainly don't want who's a Joe, Joe not Joe Hellman or whatever that wh- whoever the Mupron was that scored solo. Uh, <laughs> that's like the only truly bad Star Wars soundtrack that I can think of that, yeah. that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Uh, there's ones so, I don't I mean, listen to, but it's that one's just bad. Go ahead. I, I do. I do hope that they, they continue to add new voice. Like the guy that they got uh, to do the Mandalorian. I think he did mm-hmm. a fine job. And and that definitely yes. has a you know a sound that is unique to that show, yes. not unique period, but it is unique to that show within Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that I mean, it, but it's also a sound that like fits in with the Star Wars universe because right. you know it has that seventies flair, a bit of western to it. Um, right. Yeah, and, and it still just works. I agree. Um, so yeah, I don't mind if they want to go places, but they need to. Someone's really got to pay attention because you can't let what happened with Solo happen again. Actually, everything that happened with Solo, you can't let happen again. But the music, certainly so. Um, I also kind of feel like Season 7 of Clone Wars kind of heals that because that is a movie that would have potentially been a bridge. Um, Even though there's elements of it that I want to see more of, um, I think Season 7 of Clone Wars really does become that, that chapter in between like you said, and that, that might be the biggest compliment anybody could give it is that it, is that it pulled that off. You know, we yeah. feel like episode three and episode four. Now they totally connect. Um, so yeah, how, we, how about, we have, we have like a, we have a clear line of continuity going throughout the entire timeline of stories that we've seen on screen. Right. Yeah. So how about some, uh, you want you want to lay out some negatives? I mean, we're giving it all this glowing stuff, but, uh, I mean, how about things maybe you didn't like? Uh, are we just talking about Clone Wars season seven or just the last four episodes? Uh, let's say season seven overall. If you want to do first half, then we can talk about the last four episodes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did talk about the, the previous episodes before. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's I mean, do I really, last four. I, I really don't even have a whole lot negative to say. That's the thing is I don't have much negative to say about the last four episodes. Um, I thought it, I thought I was I liked the pacing. I didn't feel like it went by too fast. They took the proper amount of time to tell the story, and it, they executed it almost perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of any negatives with the last four episodes, and I really can't think of any either. I thought it. I mean, the only negative I have isn't really to do with that. It's that it doesn't match the tone 
of the Ahsoka novel. Like I don't like, I would feel so right. disconnected between those two. That's not those episodes that those episodes fault though. No. Um, so, so I, I can't and I, really, and here again, I wouldn't say it's, 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 um, the, the novel's fault either, because like I said, I think it was based on an earlier draft of that story. Yes. It was based on a different plan. I, I mean, in, in some form or fashion, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I do kind of wish that, that, I don't know why they didn't bother to just finish the animatics for the, uh, the Utapau storyline. Yeah. You know, there's, there was a, there was a, another storyline that was going to be with, uh, with the, the Wookiees as well. There was going to be a story yes. on Kashyyyk and I don't know that they ever, I saw animatics at Star Wars Celebration, but I don't know that, that they ever released them. So those are yeah. hidden away somewhere. Huh? Okay. Well, that's. I would love to see those at some point. Maybe they'll they'll do something with that. I mean, because the Utapau story, like it was. I mean, you they, they put it out there, and you could watch it. Oh. And go ahead. What do you got? Well, what it's it's going to come up in the next topic. But okay. Yeah. Oh, the, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that they are going to eventually. Because I just it. realized who was who I saw in that the animatics, and that makes sense now. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, certainly, I, I think we can wrap up the Clone Wars conversation um, because, cert, you know, and I would say this is a great end cap to Clone Wars. Uh, I mean, season six was a was an OK end cap, too. But this definitely, you know, puts the cherry on top. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, this this brings closure and really turns Rebels even more so into a sequel uh, series to Clone Wars. Um, how about you? What, do you, what are your, your final thoughts on uh, season seven? I mean, I, I feel the same way. And, and like I said, despite the flaws, like I said, of those two first storylines, um, it's, it's the, the payoff was worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To get to those last four episodes again, as soon as, like I said, as soon as Bo-Katan showed up, it's like, all right, we're on, uh, you know, and, and I, I agree with you there. So yeah, uh, I think, well, anyway, Clone Wars, I would say I think its reputation is still pretty unblemished. Uh, this didn't hurt it, in my opinion, in any no. way. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, bravo. You know, way to go, Filoni, for for coming back, uh, really, with a win. I mean, because most of the time, a show like this will come back years later. I know we already had it planned out, so it was kind of easier. But a lot of times, a show will come back years later, and it just doesn't live up to the classics as to where I think this totally did, uh, certainly with the last four episodes. Um, yeah. So, anyway, any other thoughts on Clone Wars Season 7? Yeah. Well, then let's talk about what is coming in 2021. And we basically season seven admittedly was also somewhat of a preview for this. And that is we are getting a bad batch, uh, which was the original, uh, you know, mini storyline um, at the, the first half of Clone Wars season seven. But now that is the bad batch is going to turn into its own show, its own animated show. Um I mean, let's just get into it, Rob. What do you think? I mean, do you think this is a winner? Do you think this is like, what the hell are they doing? I mean, give me what uh, you got. This, this is a wait. This is a wait and see for me. Okay. Just because um, here again, being at Celebration and Filoni talked about this is that the Bad Batch wasn't actually Filoni's brainchild. That that was another writer on the show right. that came up with the idea for it. So this isn't going to be a, a Filoni, you know, gig, if you will. Uh, yeah, and yeah. The, and and those bad batch episodes weren't you know particularly strong in my opinion either, 
And what I was saying before is like the, these animatics that I saw at Celebration that haven't been released, they the Bad Batch goes to Kashyyyk. And yeah. I assume that's where, where Order 66 goes down for them. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that makes sense. And yeah, as soon as you said, it's like, oh, I know what they're doing with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there you go. It's an easy and and it's a felony storyline. So yeah, so I it, think you know? I think they already had like you know uh, more. I think they had several scripts already to go for mm-hmm. you know bad batch episodes within Clone Wars, and they're just taking on. They're going to take those and they're expand on them in this new series. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't mind if they went a little because I'm worried the show is going to be a little too much comedy based on what we've got yeah, of the Bad Batch so far. I, I get I get the impression it's 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 basically going to be you know uh, a team in Star Wars. Yeah, no, I mean that's exa- that's literally what they are. They're they're the A team, you know. Yeah. And 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 as somebody myself who is and I mean people you, you can't imagine as somebody who is a massive A team fan, um, and I mean I, I really really am. Uh, I don't have a problem with that concept in general. I just you gotta you gotta believe that you know when you're doing something like the A Team where it's kind of comedic and like it's it's sort of almost humorous. It's not Gallagher violence, but it's almost humorous violence. Um, you've got to be able to believe that the characters are actual badasses, you know, because right. if you don't, it doesn't work. I mean, right. they went so far as well, well, I don't know what the, I forget what the big guy's name is in the Bad Batch, the really huge dude, the powerful I forget, guy. I know who you're talking about, but I forget too. Yeah, uh, he was even afraid of heights, and right. that's the same thing as Mr. T's character, the right. B.A. Baracus. He was afraid of flying. Right. Uh, I mean, so they're they're directly, I mean, they're completely lifting it right off. Right. Um, other than they're adding in a fifth character, okay, which, I mean, the A-team kind of did too. Uh, I mean, that that's a very delicate balance to pull off. Um, also, I will say is that it is a formula that does not work for long. Um, so I, I mean, right. the A team went five seasons and it overstayed its welcome. Um, and I say that as a huge fan, so don't expect the show to go along. I'll say that much with the bad batch yeah. and, and uh, don't, don't, don't expect any of the depth that you got in the clone wars. Right. Because here, here again, like I said, this, this, as far as I, I mean, I, we haven't had any announcements about you know who's behind this or anything, but mm-hmm. just just from being at that uh, at that um, the the show at Celebration, um, you know, Bad Batch was not with the impression that I got from Dave Filoni, and he was talking about it was not a story that he was really passionate about mm-hmm. doing. It was something that one of the the other writers on the show was was constantly nagging him about. And he, right. he like there is somebody behind this that is really passionate about the Bad Batch. It's just not Filoni. Yeah, you know it's it's a shame too because if you remember in the main Star Wars comic, there was the group of like they weren't renegades as in they didn't work for the Empire. They absolutely did. They yeah, were taking direct orders from Darth about, Vader. Yeah. But Darth Vader had his own little four man squadron of right. like badass stormtroopers, and one of them had a lightsaber, and yeah, yeah, which. I overall, I thought actually worked like, and, and because they were really clever and you believed that they were that badass and the dialogue worked for them. But again, it wasn't funny. Like they didn't make it humorous. And so I think it worked in that sense. I wouldn't mind if they wanted to kind of like play up to them being like the precursors of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see where this is going to end up being deep or dark or anything like that. I just can't picture it going that direction. So, again, I'll state I give it three seasons at best, um, you know, as far because, again, otherwise the formula gets tired, in my opinion. Well, I'm, wonder, I'm wondering how much story there is to tell, because are they going to end with Order 66 like Clone Wars did or are they going to go beyond that? Ah, mm-hmm. That could be interesting. Um, I wonder if. Because it picks up where we left off with them in season seven. There's not much time left. I mean, it's it's an easy sell to say, well, they're mutants, so Order sixty six didn't affect them. Yeah, you know? right. And they, and I I could picture they were like, they were they were a batch of defectives. I mean, literally, that's that's. Yeah, that's their storyline. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so like particularly say on Kashyyyk, if they were doing that storyline, and I think that's brilliant that you brought that up. Um, when they do that. I could see them helping the Wookiees, you right. know, and like hiding away with the Wookiees. Right. Uh, I could even imagine Yoda making a, making an appearance on the show, which would of course give it some gravitas. So, you know, I mean, there's possibilities yeah. here. If it's going to yeah. follow and them the, after and, the fact, that could be interesting. And, and the literal a team formula could work for them in that, you know, they're not easily recognizable as clones and right. they could just be going around. Hey, you know, we're, we're outcasts from what was, you know, the, what is now the empire used to be, we, we fought for the Republic and we're not a part of that. So we're, they become, you know, this paramilitary ex military group that just goes around and helps people. Yeah. Yeah. They could take it that far. Again, it's just, it's a formula that, that, that you can't go for long with, but right. I, the more we're talking about it, no, I see this working. I, I see this like being something and maybe having at least some, I don't know, some, just some value, you know, yeah. where it's not just like schlocky, the whole yeah. time. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm yeah. like, okay, let, let's see what yeah. happens. You know, Filoni's not, a, not exactly at the helm. He's executive producer, but what isn't he the executive right. producer of, yeah. um, but, you know, but, uh, but what the hell, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm not opposed to this existing. I think it's no. fine. No. Yeah. So, all right. Um, move on to another subject then. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh I just kind of want to get your take on this, Rob, because you're one of those people in my, actually, you're one of maybe a, only a couple where, <laughs> you, you know, if, if I think I'm going crazy, you can tell me <laughs> 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 or, or if I'm, if I'm buying into something and you can say, yeah, and, and you have, you know, no, no Brian, no, <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's bullshit. That's not happening. And they're like, okay, all right, I got you. And, uh, you, you've, let's just say you've course corrected me here and there, you know, not, not anything like mad dramatic, but you know, uh, and so I always, I always respect that obviously. And, um, so there's a theory going around. Um, also there's the fact that like your opinion is one of, you know, two or three opinions that I actually give a shit about in the world. But anyway, so, but there's a theory going around. That, um, and this is being purported by uh, the likes of a character named Doomcock, uh, as well as uh, a YouTube sensational show uh, and somewhat of a sensation known as Midnight's Edge, which I've appreciated some of that content. Um, and there's a lot of others uh, who are jumping on this idea that basically, and this sort of falls in line with that civil war we were talking about earlier within Lucasfilm, uh-huh. that it is being set up for um, for the George Lucas camp to for, or for Disney basically to erase the sequel trilogy as canon to get rid of it by using what we discovered in Rebels 
which was the world between worlds. Right. And the claims go so far as to suggest that there, that you see elements of the world between worlds in rise of Skywalker. Um, that that's how far these people are going. And, and particularly they point out scenes like when we see the evil, uh, or, you know, Empress, um, pa- uh, uh, da, 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 Ray, sorry. Um, God, they're just so unmemorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. I even have a Funko of her up there and I still can't remember. Anyway. Uh, so, you know, do you think they're going to pull this off? Do you think they're going to do this where, where they're, they'll rewrite history with the world between worlds? Do you think this is going on? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, and, and, well, I've disagreed with with Midnight's Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I have a problem with them. Uh, Doomcock's a fucking idiot. <laughs> that guy, uh, like, don't watch his channel. You'll you're you're gonna lose brain cells watching that shit because that guy's he is he's a fucking idiot. And I I'll, I hate his presentation. Like I I mean, <sighs> it just it just doesn't it doesn't work. It's not funny. It's not cute. Like I I don't, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. But 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 beyond that, what I'll say is uh, th- this is just more wishful thinking. It's kind of like. You know, I've lost track of the number of times that Kathleen Kennedy has been fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's you like know, saying and, Bitcoin is dead, right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. No, right. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's wishful thinking. And, and not only that, you know, even if it, it was happened, it would just it would give me further reason to to move beyond what Star Wars in that era has become, because they would be doing exactly what you and I talked about would be the, the worst case scenario, the worst use for that plot element of the world between worlds is to do exactly this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of, you know, bull crap that Marvel and DC have been pulling in their comic books for years and years now. And, you know, basically has caused both you and I to pretty much abandon the comics industry. Yes. Yeah, because they're constantly rebooting the universe. Right. And there's like a new canon all the time. And again, this would be Disney doing it once more. Uh, and they got away with it once. I don't know if they can get away with it twice. Uh, I mean, is bad. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Would, would you be opposed? I, or I mean, it sounds like you're opposed and it's the worst idea. But I mean, would you be a happier person if the sequel trilogy wasn't canon? No, not really. Because, in my mind, the, the the best case scenario would have been for it to not be made at all. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. never going to happen. So there really is no sort of, like, second prize here, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. It is what it is. It exists. We have to, we just have to deal with it and move on. Yeah. I mean, I thought, so, my thoughts on it, I, I guess I'm not exactly opposed. And... We, I mean, we talked about when the world between worlds was introduced, was that season three or season four of rebels? It was one of those. It was the last season. Yeah. Season four. Okay. We, I think we talked for like an hour about it (laughs) on on, on TFR because we were just like, okay, this is the most radical idea ever in star Wars. Um, boy, they better not ever touch it again. You know, uh, it it worked for what, what for the, for exactly. That's why why I'm surprised that you're, you're saying that you wouldn't be opposed to it because they are doing it. And exactly the reason that you were kind of upset about it at the time. Well, go ahead. And, and and I was the one to actually like talk you down and say, no, 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 this isn't that bad. You know, they won't do this. Yeah. And now, and now they're, they're, 
you know, if they are doing it, then they're doing the very thing that, you know, you were <laughs> against to begin with. All right. Well, so, okay. So, so th- let's put some nuance to this. Like the idea of the sequel trilogy, not becoming Canon. I am fine with using the world between worlds for it. Maybe not so much, but just to play along with what you're saying, admittedly, I had no idea that they would fuck up this much with those movies at that time. Um, like, I, like, I mean, I, I had no idea, you know, uh, that it would be that bad. Um, but that said, and the, the okay. other thing is, is like, mm-hmm. th- this is, this is, I mean, there's no going home again. Yep. That's true. Luke. I mean, Mark Hamill has said that he will never be in a star Wars movie ever again. So even if you get rid of the sequel trilogy timeline, you, you basically Luke's story ends uh, with return of the Jedi and that's it. Well, unless they make, which we talked about, I think, last episode, the idea that the next movie would actually be a Luke Skywalker movie between Return of the Jedi and. Um, yeah, but I don't think they'll do that. I mean, well, I, don't, I mean, they're 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 making blanket statements that they think that's the most interesting time of Star Wars to explore is is after Return of the Jedi like that. Like uh, Favreau has said that at this point. Um, yeah. obviously a lot of the shows that they're making are doing exactly that. So it makes sense that it, they would say such a but thing. But I mean, you, like I said, you know, there, there's, there's a hard limit on to, to what they could do without, you know, recasting or CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. That's true. Well, so the, other, let me, let me bring this up. This is a point I was going to get to as well, is that a part of me, I have been troubled, dare I say, by the, the visual dictionary of rise of skywalker because there is a quick line and, and and i've talked about this many months ago in previous episodes as soon as i got my hands on it, it was one of the first things where i was like what the fuck is that about where the chasm that uh uh what's his name kylo ren kylo ren right? yeah <laughs> i can't remember any of them like i just don't care about these characters uh but anyway but kylo ren there's the chasm he falls into on exegol right and the the visual guide very clearly states that that chasm, the, the Sith, the Sith eternal think that yeah, it's it like a, a virgins. Yeah. It was a virgins in the force. Yeah. Right. That like, there is, yeah. there is something it's, special about that chasm. It's, okay? it's part of what they call the virgin scatter. Yeah. 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 So like a part of me wonders, I wondered as soon as I read that, like, are they going to try and like reboot some shit using that fucking chasm somehow, or this virgins, uh, you know, so, I don't know if it's well, even I mean, world between worlds, but I, I, I kind of feel like that might've been put there. What do you got? Yeah, I have my own ideas about that. I mean, well, but, but this is stuff that I'm working on. Okay. Okay. You know, for myself. All right. Well, we're, we're going to hold on those then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We, we don't need to right. give Disney our great ideas. We right. gave them our, exactly. We already gave there's, them one great I, idea with Marge. I'll say that, that what I will say is, is they, there, there are interesting things that you can do with that idea that are not terrible. Aha, okay. All right. Well then, then there we go. So, but, but rebooting or erasing the sequel trilogy would be one of the terrible things. Is that what yes, you're in my, saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's better to, to accept, you know, the, the negative aspects of star Wars's personality and, and, and grow and move on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Star yeah, Wars I'm, needs, Star Wars needs to self-actualize. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it needs to learn to accept 
you know, you, you can't love people in slices, right? You've got to accept the whole thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I think what, what I'm waiting for. So we have a Poe Dameron book coming out, uh, I think in August that was a shock. Like it was, it was a surprise drop. Um, I am going to read that. And depending, I, I feel like if they are actually planning on this, on rebooting the sequel trilogy, there will be hints in that book. If they are not there, I am going to see the publication of this book as a vote of confidence in the characters of the sequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy as a whole on Disney's part. So that's really going to be my judgment call is, is yeah. a lot of it is going to be based on, on that book. Um, so I would, I would expect the latter, just me personally. Okay, like that, that, that it's a vote of confidence yeah, in, in the yeah. sequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Well, we'll see. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I just, I wanted your take on that. I kind of expected how you'd feel about the whole notion. Um, I feel like my universe would be a little bit better if Filoni was just, you know, coming up with all the stories and we had a vision man, you know, yeah. planning the future of Star Wars. Right. But at the same time, and, and like. Maybe, maybe that will happen. I mean, that's, that's not outside the realm of possibility, mm-hmm. but you know, um, the thing I should bring up, and I think I, I did bring this up before is, is that, um, there were a lot of people that didn't like the prequels. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I, I still do not care for attack of the clones that much. It's my, probably my least mm-hmm. favorite film in the entire you know, the, the, the prequel trilogy. Um, but, you know, what Filoni did with the Clone Wars, I think for me and a lot of people really kind of, I don't, I, I don't want to go as far as to say redeemed because it didn't necessarily need redeeming, but it did, mm. you know, kind of do exactly that. It, 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 it brought it into being what it needed to be to be great Star Wars. Right. I... I think there's there's a sliver of a possibility that he could possibly do that for the sequel trilogy. Maybe not completely. There, I mean, that's that that those movies have some serious warts. I understand. I'm not trying to overlook yeah. or downplay anything. I'm just saying that you could do other things in that timeline that sort of maybe heal things to a degree. Or make mm-hmm. them acceptable or passable, and that allows people to move on to whatever's next that comes after the sequel trilogy. Right. I mean, the hard part there, and I could see that. And if anybody could do it, it'd be Filoni. In fact, he's right. the only one, um, in my opinion, or maybe Claudia Gray. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, the only problem is that the nice thing about the prequel trilogy is that it happens over a pretty l- fairly long period of time. Um. As to where the sequel trilogy is like a matter of days. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're, I, I think it's a miracle if that was a month of time that spanned there. And there's no real time to like extrapolate and to expand on those characters themselves, like Clone Wars did, where it made the characters that maybe people thought were lackluster in the films, but then turned them into, you know, shining stars in, uh, you know, in the Clone Wars. Right. And then that, you know, just bled onto the movies and made the movies yeah. even better. Right. You can't do that exactly with the sequel well, trilogy. Or at and, least I don't and, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I recognize that. And mm-hmm. and my responsibility or my, my response, I'm sorry, I would say is that um, you don't necessarily have to even use those characters. You could just create characters that exist in that universe at that time period that had some sort of impact and were doing something that was, you know, just as important or more important than what was going on in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I would. I, I okay. I can agree with that because the Poe Dameron comic did actually they actually did a fairly good job of that. Uh, you got great moments with Leia. Uh, you got great moments with Poe. You got you know even great moments with Snap and you know whoever. Um, so yeah, I, I could see that being possible. I mean, we even got Laura Santeca, more of him in uh, in the Poe Dameron comic that worked. Right. You know, right. Uh, so, and, and was interesting. So, okay. Yeah, I could, I, I could see that happening. All right. Fair enough. Um, but boy, that's going to be, that's a long haul. But oh, if, that's, yeah. It's a tall order. No doubt yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody can do it, it is Filoni. If they give him the time, I'm sure he can make it happen. I, I do feel confident that he can make that happen. Um, but it definitely would take time and yeah. really, really and I, great stories. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that kind of thing would come about anytime soon either. Right. I'm, I'm seeing five, ten years down the line. Yeah, I mean, because the first thing you'd have to do, you have to make Hosnian Prime fucking mean something. Um, you know, like, I mean, you've, you've got to make that star system mean something. So when it gets destroyed, holy shit, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you you freak out. So, uh, you so get, go ahead. Maybe maybe that's the, what they're going to do is, you know, they're going to they're going to focus on that time period between, you know, Return of the Jedi and uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to make the first order more legit. There's, there's a lot of work, Yeah. but I, but I, I could, I'm starting as you talk about it, I'm starting to see where this could happen. So, okay. No, fair enough. I, I, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I'm personally feeling like they're not, I don't know that they're planning on rebooting the sequel trilogy. I do think the civil war element is still accurate. Like I was talking about earlier that I think there's a, a Kennedy camp and a Lucas camp more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm not. I'm not totally buying into yet this idea that they're going to reboot the, uh, or, you know, that they're going to make the sequel trilogy non-canon. Um, well, you, you, you want to shift on to something else? Sure. Okay. So we'll, this will be our last subject for the episode where we'll save some of the other stuff for, uh, for, for another one, but we got to get this in. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but something that I, as far as I know, this is canon, but Holy fuck. I wish it wasn't. Um, they re- CBS shifting franchises here. We're going to Star Trek. CBS uh, released a, a, a two minute trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks, which is an animated series uh, for Star Trek. Obviously, not the first one. The first one was Star Trek, the animated series from the 70s, which was fantastic. Um, and this, well, call it Rob. I mean, how, when it's, it's coming out in August, pile of crap. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's it's Rick and Morty in Star Trek. Yeah. And that's one of the worst ideas I've ever heard in my life. Like, I love Rick and Morty. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, I think I keep saying that about a lot of things in the show. But I'm a fan of Rick and Morty. I even have, well, anyway, I have, you know, figures and whatever else. Um, I, I think this is just a terrible idea. What what do you got on this one? Well, it's always a ter- terrible idea to to copy, you know, somebody else's work. Yes. When Star case, Trek has been the trailblazer, there's no yeah, need to copy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're even going so far as to to grab one of the writers from Rick and Morty, and they're even using that in the advertising, you know, as like, 
they're trying they're they're intentionally trying to attach themselves to that you know fandom Mm -hmm. which i don't know how much of a crossover there really is yeah i mean i know a lot of rick and morty fans are star trek fans like the older fans um but i don't think the people who are fans of new trek oh there i don't know Yeah, yeah i don't know because Rick and Morty's pretty highbrow for that type. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or, or pretty lowbrow. I mean, you know, it goes both ways. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But I mean, I would say at the same time, as much as I enjoy Rick and Morty, I don't want it to be any element of my Star Trek. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in that. Like that, that doesn't even make sense to me. You know, um, I have diverse tastes because I have, because I'm a human being and I have diverse feelings. Uh, I don't want everything in one, you know? Um, my biggest, I'll say this, my, I think the comedy, like I didn't laugh once while watching the trailer. Um, and it's meant to be comedic. Uh, this is a show about like the people who, you know, aren't on the bridge and I'm okay with doing a show like that. And there have been series that have concentrated on that. Where like, you know, like episodes of Voyager where they did literally lower decks crew, you know, they concentrated on those characters. Yeah, and it worked. Even like within the first season, they did that, and it, and it, it really, really worked. Um, Babylon Five has done that. Uh, there's lots of shows that have done that, or I mean, a show that was all about that was Red Dwarf, and that show is a goddamn riot. I mean, I love Red Dwarf, hilarious. But this doesn't look like that, and also you have to compete with the fact that you know Star Trek has a history and an expectation, and I think that's something worth you know paying attention to and sticking with. Um, I mean, if you just want to make parody, then make parody. Don't make it Star Trek, right? Um, my, I'll say this. I want to ask you what your biggest problem was with it, but I'll tell you mine. My biggest problem with it was actually it was towards the end of the trailer, and you have the guy who's nude, and he's, like, playing up like a sexy, like, I don't know. He's pretending to be the captain, and, like, a gal walks in, and he stands up, and he's nude, and he's like, ah, you know, it's, like a, it's almost like a Simpsons moment or something, you mm-hmm. know? And what my problem with it, is that so Star Trek's finally willing to really go there with nudity and they turn it into a joke and what a missed opportunity for Star Trek to make commentary on well, let's just say nudism or naturism, you know, or whatever. I mean, pick, pick however, you know, you express nudity and so on, or even in elements of sexuality, what a missed opportunity for Star Trek to go there to be that adult as apparently this show wants to be, um, and to turn it into a joke. I think it's a complete fail. Uh, they, I mean, they, they just, they dropped the ball on this, uh, Star Trek had an opportunity for commentary. If you're willing to do this, no. And, and in fact, it even shows how immature CBS really is because they weren't even, they didn't even have the, well, let's just say it, they didn't even have the balls to do it in live action. They had to yeah. do it in, you know, they had to do it in a cartoon. It's like, Oh, you know, you, you, <laughs> I have so many but, choice words well, I want to use. Go ahead. I mean, you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You used a very important word in that commentary. And Star Trek has always been commentary on modern society in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I don't expect a drop of that in this show. Period. Right. Right. And that's what we're being. That's, that's what they keep telling us. It's like, oh, you didn't think Picard was good? Well, no, you don't understand. It's commentary on this. And season two is going to be commentary on this and blah, blah, blah. Okay. I get you. That's what Star Trek Star Trek is about commentary. You might not execute it well, but that's what it's about. But then you're feeding us this horse shit and it's like, stop, you know? Yeah. And and it's not like I mean, Star Trek can do animated and it can do it very well. 
the 70s series was one such case. I think they, they were going to do a web series where yes. it took place like in the year 3000 or something. Right. I remember and that. It was, right. It was all about the Federation falling apart. It was going to be a very dark show. Mm-hmm. I am game on for that. Like, let, let's do it and do it animated to save on the budget, please. Of yeah. course. I totally understand that. That's fine. The, the designs Go that got leaked for that show looked really cool, too. Oh, they're so. awesome. Uniforms alone. Badass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with you. Um, so th- this is this is just this is missed opportunities, missed representation. It, it it's just totally off the mark. Well, here again, um, and, like it's 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 Star Trek riding the wave of popular culture rather than trailblazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're totally right. And 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 again, it's more of this clear sign that a lot of these franchise heads, be it Disney, CBS, whoever. They, their plan is clearly not to make, you know, not to continue the franchises in what made them great, but how do we get more demographics? How do we get, how do we bring in, you know, more demographics and more people and all this? And uh, frankly, that, that, that sucks because that, that takes away the specialness of why people actually give a shit about these things in the first place. Um, so yeah, this, this is a fail. Yeah. You know, I don't know if know, I'm even going to watch it. Go ahead. It, it, it just shows how much, you know, the industry had changed because it used to be that, you know, the marketing people were the people you had to, and the studio people were the people you had to impress with the pilot. Right. Once you got the pilot out the door and they signed off on it, it was up the, to the writers to bring, you know, people into the show and more demographics and do whatever. Mm-hmm. But now you've got too many fingers in the pie. Yeah. Yeah, it's focus because, group to death. Yeah, yeah, it's focus group to death. The marketing is involved in in, in every aspect. Uh, the studio heads come and you know they they're they're having. It used to be that you know if the studio heads wanted to see the dailies, they'd have to go down to either the production studio or the sets to see them themselves. Now they right. can just email those to their you know their computer or they're they're, they're watching it on their phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they're going, oh, well, I don't like this. And, you know, I'm with, let's do this. And can we try that? And they're, they're, they're able to, to fiddle in ways that they never did before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, and there was a slow progression of that because eventually got to the point where, okay, you can give me the dailies on VHS and I can look at those, you know, and then you could take it to the office, but even then it was a pain in the ass. Right. Uh, But as it got easier then yes, more fingers got into the pies. You're totally right about that. Um, I, I'm also worried that they are paying too much attention to, to the fans and Straczynski's recently actually tweeted about this, uh, you know, the creator of Babylon five, of course. And he said, he's like, no, he says, you can't, he says, I don't even want to be on the internet. He says, and he, he actually explicitly says, don't give me story ideas. Don't talk to me about story Uh ideas because he feels the instant that you do that, the creator, the writer um, you know, is, is basically sullied, right? Yeah, like, like tainted. he's, yeah, he's tainted. Yes, exactly. And I think he's absolutely right about that. Um, oh, yeah. and, and, and I've always praised George Lucas for, you know, no, he's the creator. You let him do it. You don't like it. Okay. You don't like it, but don't fucking tell him what to do. Right. You know, I, I mean, I'm sure as fuck glad that Twitter wasn't around when episode one came out. Um, so well, anyway, yeah, this is a fail. I mean, what, what do you, I assume you're not looking forward to this at all. No, no, it, it, it just looks stupid and silly and senseless mm-hmm. right down to the design of the ship, which is just the most absurd, ridiculous, stupid ship design I've <laughs> ever seen. It is fucking awful. 
I, it is. Okay, so, I mean, you just you look at this thing, and you've got... So, in order to get to the engineering deck from the saucer section, you've got to travel down through the, the nacelle pylons and through the nacelles themselves to get to engineering. Yep. Unless engineering's in the saucer section, which in case, at least deflector control is down <laughs> in that section. So, like, who, who's... who's Who's volunteering to to you know travel through the warp nacelles while they're in warp to go work on the deflector dish? Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think they literally wanted to make a starship that looked like a guy bending over. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think they had that and and I mean and 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 I say that in only half in jest. I think like I'm also half serious. I think that's exactly what they were going for. <laughs> it's like is that they are not it doesn't have to be a guy but just somebody bending over yeah yeah you know it it, it was it's clearly meant to be comedic but i think that was their that was yeah. their 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 impetus well, i i i guess you know it fits you know if if because the tone i'm definitely getting is that this is the starship asinine yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great name star trek asinine <laughs> you know <laughs> oh man I mean, on a bright side, actually, IDW started coming out with, um, they just start restarted a, a, a D Space Nine comic book series. We haven't had one of those in, boy, maybe 20 years or yeah. over a decade. Yeah. Uh, and I read the first issue. I loved it. I mean, so there's some good Star Trek out there, but it's not on CBS All Access. I'll tell you that much. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm not looking forward to uh, to this either. Uh, so Star Trek Lower Decks, I don't know. Again, I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. I don't know if I could do no, it. I'm uh, passing. Yeah, yeah, I just I've I've had enough. I, I I just just like with the Star Wars books, I I I reserve the right to not to to force myself to watch anything that I know I'm probably not going to like. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you didn't miss anything with um with the 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 new Shadow or the new Alphabet Squadron. Novel. Oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it was just another ridiculously long, fucking pointless. Um, I mean, it just yeah, pointless. It, it, it didn't go anywhere. I, I know it's supposed to be a trilogy, so I guess there's going to, and it definitely sets up for another book. Um, this was, it was, it was horrible. It wasn't horrible. I mean, Alexander Freed's a fine writer, um, but it just, it didn't do anything. There was, there was no, there was no weight. Uh, you know, there's nothing, nothing that matters that happened. So there's your review folks for what was it? Shadow wing, I think was the title of it or something like that. Uh, just, just not worth your time. Though I am interested to the the Doctor Afro book comes out end of month. I'm I'm on board for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. So why don't we get we're we're here at the end of the show. Why don't we get in our picks and then we'll wrap this baby up. Right on. So uh, I'll, I'll start off because mine. I actually I don't think mine will really take long to 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 talk about. Um. I. I'm not going to say how I ended up finding out about this book, but I find it, it is something I find strange. H.G. Wells, it was a very prolific author. However, if you talk to most people at best, they know four books, maybe, maybe five by H.G. Wells. But again, he, he had written like 30, I mean, you know, fiction, nonfiction. And so, I mean, he's just written tons and tons and tons of fiction well beyond the invisible man, the time machine, uh, you know, go down the list of them, right? War of the Worlds and so on. Um, I ended up discovering uh, this book called Men Like Gods by H.G. Wells. It was a little bit of a later book uh, from him. 
And it is a, what could be considered a utopian novel It is utopian fiction. Uh, it basically has to do with, uh, characters in 1923 who, so it's post-World War one who end up getting transported due to an experiment in an alternate universe to an alternate earth. But this alternate earth's history is very, very different, um, from, from our earth's history. And basically for 3000 years, they never had a dark age. And so for 3000 years, they've just been, you know, progressing, like going up and they've gotten to the point of utopia. Uh, it is an anarchist novel explicitly. They, they, this, this utopia, uh, this, this alternate world where, and HG Wells had a lot to say about societal issues. He definitely used his pen to, uh, you know, his fiction as well to describe how he would like things to be. He was one of those guys, you know? Um, and this is one of the cases where this is to him was like his, his perfect world. Uh, and it's impressive because I don't think most people think of HG Wells as being an anarchist, but he absolutely was. Uh, and he is explicit in this book about anarchism being the, you know, and cause whenever like there's a politician that ends up uh, going to this parallel earth, there's all, there's a, a priest, there's all these other characters and the utopians, as they're called, I mean, just wipe the floor with them philosophically. Now, it falls prey, like many books that have a societal message, it falls prey to the problem of where there's very long speeches. I mean, it kind of almost feels like an Ayn Rand novel, unfortunately. Hmm. I was but, just thinking that. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> it, you know, it's H.G. Wells, so he's actually a great writer. Uh, and, and, and I think it works, and it's so shocking to read these ideas, especially from 1923, you know, or from, from the, you know, the early 20th century, uh, and from somebody who is so still well-regarded as, as HG Wells is, you know, to, to, to ba basically, I almost, I don't want to say conspiracy, but I'll, I'll just use that term. It almost feels like there's a conspiracy that his utopian works of which this is not the only one, his utopian works have been completely ignored. Um, not because they're not as good as War of the Worlds or The Invisible Man or, you know, whatever. Uh, I think it's because, you know, publishing houses just want to steer clear of this shit. You know, um, mm -hmm. they, they want to steer clear of anarchism. I, I love it. I, I think Men Like Gods, I thought it was a tremendous, tremendous book. Uh, I, I really had a lot of fun with the fiction. I like reading utopian fiction um, because if I'm going to take the time to escape, I might as well escape to a place where things worked out. And, you know, unlike Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah, I just, I recommend this. If you love H.G. Wells, any of his work, you are in for an absolute treat. And it's uh, so comforting to know that somebody so brilliant, uh, you know, went the distance to where he's like, yeah, no, you know what? Anarchism. Let's go. Anyway. So there, I, I've, I've got yeah. that. Um, yeah. Wonderful book. So you, I don't think there's, there might be an audio book, but I think the narrator is shitty. Uh, but you know, the book's out there for, you can find it. Anyway, that's my pick. So, uh, yeah, yeah men uh, like gods, I, go ahead. That's something I'll, I'll definitely look into. And I, I definitely subscribe to your theory about why it's not as well known. In fact, I think it's, there's probably even an element now that, you know, a lot of books now are sold or bought by publishers on, well, can we sell this as a movie script? Right. And we know anything with anarchism is, is not going to pass muster. You know, something yeah. like War of the World wills because, you know, you can have, you know, you can show off scenes of the military being heroic. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, like, how is how has the dispossessed never been made into a film? That doesn't even make sense, right? Uh, it's such a well-regarded book. It's such a popular book. Uh, Ursula, you know, Lugans, I mean, her other books have been turned into movies, but oh, that one that's about anarchism. Mm -mm, no, we're not going to put that out there, you know? So that I, yeah, I think there, there is a, a concerted effort as far as that goes, uh, to keep that from being a part of uh, popular media. So anyway, uh, Rob, what do you got, man? So speaking of, of anarchy, um, the, yeah. I'm going to review a game. And which the, the default state is anarchy because you uh, in this game are on a planet by yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it, uh, it's a game that I actually, um, I didn't think I, I was initially was not that interested in it because it's in the survival genre. Mm -hmm. You know, think Minecraft and uh, what is it? Ark and some of these other sort of games. Oh, like Dead Island maybe? I not even well, that's more of a first that person. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one's first person as well, but yeah, but it's basically you know you're you you crash land on this. Uh, basically, it's it's a, it's a water world. You know, it's a planet completely covered in ocean. Minus and, Kevin Costner. Right, right. But um, it's it's and you're just you start off with a lifeboat, and okay. you have a you know, all these kind of tools to go out and collect resources and upgrade your technology and build things. Um, the reason, like, I, I just, I tried it out on a whim because I got it for free. Mm -hmm. And the reason I stuck with it, I've, I'm like 20 hours into the game now, and the reason I stuck with it is because it actually has a really good story. Um, and th there's a lot of different moving parts going on in the story. You know, there's, there's, there's... I want to say like almost like a, an ancient aliens sort of storyline oh, right on. going okay. on here. And then you also kind of have like, you know, the, the sort of, um, uh, Gilligan's Island sort of, you know, aspect to it. Cause like, you like said, you're this lone survivor. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other, there are other survivors, but you know, you, you go out looking for them and, and, and you find what you will. But I mean, um, if this is basically Waterworld the game, I'm there. Like, well, I love it's, that it's, movie, it's, damn it. It's, it's, but most of it takes place under the water. Okay, gotcha. Because right. you're, you're going out and you're salvaging, you know, wreckage from your ship and from other ships that have crashed. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're collecting resources uh, from, from, you know, like, and you basically, the entire game takes place basically underneath a, like, a, a underwater caldera. It's like a, you know, ah. extinct mega volcano, you know, super volcano. Okay. So that's well, now, that's kind of like the confines of your your gameplay area. So and and you're you're in a submarine, right? Or like well, you have you a submarine. You, yeah, you you can build one eventually. Like you you start off like all you have is the life raft. Okay. And it's got like a replicator and <laughs> a tool that you can use to to like to to like it's they almost have like it's like a portable replicator, like it's a handheld replicator, and you mm -hmm. you say you point it at an area and say, build this and it'll like, it'll build a structure for you. Okay. If you have the resources to build it. Okay. So, well, you shared some pictures with me. This is a very nice surprise of the submarine from this game. And on the, can I, can I say what was on it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so on the side, so it was black, mainly black. And then it had red uh, highlights. We'll say the submarine. And then it says right across the side, it says sovereign one. And I was just like, oh man, <laughs> that's so sweet. And, and I, and it looked badass. Like it looks so cool. Uh, I, I just, I loved it. I, I thought yeah. that was so, 
And it, it, it is just like it, it's it, for me, like this game really just kind of like it, it is in the survival genre, but it just it definitely kind of crosses over into other things. Because one, the story is so strong. Mm-hmm. This is normally not what you expect from these kind of games because right. it's, it's not the point of them for the most yeah. part. And two, like the, the like the visuals, like you know, are just like the amount of flora and fauna that they invented for this game is amazing and terrifying. <laughs> well, I love that. Like that's what I loved about the Metroid Prime games is that like you could scan everything and like everything had yes. a definition or everything had yeah. a description. Yeah, and that's exactly what this game is like. You go out and you scan nice. all these different. You can scan the plants, the animals, everything. And not only that is is very. Um, it is not a game that's based around violence. Oh, I love to it. To achieve your ends, I love it. There, right. you will you will get attacked by different sea creatures, mm-hmm. but your optimal ways of dealing with it are not with violence and by killing the creatures. That's fantastic. So when did this game come out? When did Subnautica, right? That's the name uh, of it? Yeah, I think it was in early access for a while, but I think the the like the final release was like 2018. Okay. Okay. So it's got a little age on it, but that's yeah. that's fine. Um and that's fairly recent. And there's and an expansion pack, yeah, right? The, yeah, there's either I don't know if it's expansion or a standalone game, but it is kind of like it's it's a new character, a new story. It takes place on the same planet but a different part of it. Where I guess nice. like part of it's like frozen over. So nice. there are like, you know, ice areas. Okay. Well, I mean, as long as, you know, the main game isn't in early access, um, I have no qualms with getting my hands on it. And I love the sound of it. Um, I'll have to build the sovereign two, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so to keep my namesake in good order, uh, no. <laughs> but, uh, that, that's, that's so great. Uh, yeah. I mean, do, do you have, do you have like a ranking for it? Like if you gave it an out of 10, Oh yeah, this is easy. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that, yeah. that's that's an instant buy. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's 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 not a it's not a perfect game, but everything that like there's nothing in this game that for me that where where I look at it and see that they tried to do something and they failed at it. There's nothing like in everything that the, that they set out to do in this game that they, they put a lot of thought and effort into it, and it really shows. I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, to have that like Metroid Prime element of like scanning everything and everything having a description. Um, the open sounds like somewhat open worldness of it and, yeah. and yeah. You things can, like, you I can, mean, you can go anywhere within, you know, the, like I said, the confines of this like extinct super volcano. Yeah. Uh, once no, it's, you, it does, it does let you go beyond that point, but if right. you try to do that, then it spawns like all these like mega Leviathan creatures that come and attack <laughs> you. <laughs> well, it sounds like, I mean, still, it, it just sounds like a great mix like of, of, of different elements. And I love a good storyline, especially in a game type that you wouldn't expect it. Right. Um, just like actually I was mentioning on sovereign tech recently, like, uh, age of mythology, you know, an RTS usually doesn't have that great of a story, you know, where like, it's a laugh out loud story at points or makes you feel at points, whatever. Uh, but I, I feel like that delivered on that. So when a game can do that, uh, can have a really great story. Well, I was yeah. just saying at the top of the show how important story is to me. So I'm on top of this one. I'm 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 yeah, there for it's, that. It's 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 a great sort of like mystery that you have to solve. In fact, it's it's multiple mysteries that are interlinked. Fuck, it's so like mist. Have, you, <laughs> it's it's. I would say it's actually better than 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 mist. All right, that's impressive. Yeah. All right, I, I'm I'm going to pick it up. 
<laughs> Fantastic. So Subnautica, nine out of 10 from Rob. I think that sounds like an instant buy. Uh, do you know, is it on anything besides PC or is this basically PC only? Do you have to get it on Steam? Um, no, it's it's also available on the Epic Store. Oh, those guys. I'm not I'm not, not going to endorse them, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's available. I don't, mm, it don't think it's on be, GOG. I don't think so. It might be. I haven't looked. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I got it for free on Epic when, you know, they, they've been giving away games left and right. And, right. You know, I was, I'm stuck at home bored like everybody else. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll just give this a shot. And I thought Absolutely. I was just going to try it for an hour or two. And it's, it sucked me in. Nice. The best games. That's what they do. Uh, actually the worst games do that too, like world of Warcraft, but, uh, <laughs> this is yeah. not one of those cases. <laughs> it's sucking you in for the right reasons. So I love it. Uh, all right. So nine out of 10 subnautica, definitely pick that up. And of course, HG Wells, men like gods, uh, have a good time with that one as well. So I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, as, as much shitty stuff is coming out there, we we've had some great stuff. Uh, I think overall. Uh, come out recently and certainly some interesting things to come. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, sci-fi, I guess. Not. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean it was certainly, very, go ahead. At the very least we have, you know, stuff like the, the X-Wing upgrade project where like the fans are kind of, you know, taking a hold of exactly. you know, the, the franchise and doing their own thing with it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think there's other places where the fans are just going to take hold of the franchises and do what needs to be done. And that's what's got me really excited. That, that Those are the things that make me feel good uh, about, about where some of this is going. So no matter how bad CBS or Disney or whoever does, fans will clean it up, you know. <laughs> and I, I love it when they do. So uh, <laughs> we save ourselves, you understand. There's no one coming to save us. So <laughs> There's our message for the show. Uh, anyway, Rob, as always, man, great time. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot more to talk about next month. I, I, I did want to get into Tron 3. I'll just tease it. We're definitely going to talk about it next time, I think, uh, because there, there's, there's a lot to say, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of BS to get out of the way, but then, you know, get at what's actually happening. And that might be exciting as well. Might be cautiously optimistic. Hopefully we'll get some more news, too. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to have a little more news, um, even though we did get some degree of official word. But anyway, we'll talk about that next time on TIE Fighter Renegades, and uh, we will see all of you woo, on the other side.